0: Hello and welcome to In Defense Of, a movie podcast. On this episode, we're going to be traveling back to the year 2000, almost 20 years ago, to wrap our heads around Battlefield Earth. And with me, as always, is Aaron. Hey! What's going on, Aaron? Oh, not much. Excited to
1: talk about this beautiful movie, (laughs) Battlefield (laughs) Earth.
0: Yeah, this this movie came requested um, quite a lot on on Reddit when we Mm -hmm. kind of announced this podcast. It kept coming up, and it was already on our curated list, and then that kind of affirmed our decision. Uh, Some people were saying it was impossible to find any qualities in it. So naturally, we had to try. (laughs) And boy, did we try. Yeah, this movie, this was kind of hard to hunt down. I ended up resorting to Amazon Prime to be able to watch this. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't find it anywhere, not for rent or purchase or anything, so... Yeah, if you want to watch along, or if you haven't seen it in a while, I'm pretty sure it's the only place you can find it right now.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, other than yeah, hunting it down and purchasing a physical
0: copy of it, <laughs> like an antique store, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in a back alley somewhere.
1: <laughs> you know what? Actually, the other day I was uh, I was like popping in because I own all the James Bond, and obviously you guys know I've been going through them. Yeah. and uh i've been pop- like i popped it into the dvd player or my ps4 and i was like oh this is the worst waiting for dvds to load and I, <laughs> oh, and no. I, and it just dawned on me that that's not something we really go through anymore
0: yeah it's true now you have to wait for it to to buffer yeah if you have bad internet Mm-hmm. Um, so, Battlefield Earth is sitting on Rotten Tomatoes currently with a three percent, three percent critical uh, average and a twelve percent audience yeah. average. So, the fact that this rates higher than Master of Disguise proves that there's no justice in the universe. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> it, it is- also <laughs> proves that rating movies is just a trash way of like. <laughs> Like, it it actually does nothing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, And this movie stars John Travolta as Security Chief Terrell, Barry Pepper as Johnny, Forrest Whitaker as Care, a clerk, Sabine, uh, what was her last name? I had it written down here. Sabine Karskissenti as Chrissy. And, uh, yeah, so, Aaron, this movie is based off of a novel Yeah, by uh, L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, It's called Battlefield Earth, a saga of the year 3000. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, when you start the movie, they actually do show that full title in the credits, even though it's not like, you know, the official title of the film. So, yeah, man. I mean, it's based on a novel from 1982. Um, Apparently, according to L. Ron Hubbard's like publishing agents or literary agents who are. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it belonged to a company owned by Scientology. Um, they sold 1.5 million copies. Yeah. Um, but we're going to get into some interesting stuff here because it's impossible. You know, whenever you're whenever you're reviewing or talking about a movie that's like 20 years old, it's always tough to find sort of new things to say about it that haven't already been said. Mm-hmm. But we've got to go there. We have yeah. to talk about where this movie came from and of course we have to talk about Scientology uh, it's just impossible to talk about this film without yeah. getting into that
1: I feel like so- we should also just have a quick disclaimer here uh, we by no means know a ton about uh, Scientology I think mm-hmm. the most uh, Scientology like that I've ever read, ridden, like, read was uh, in this last week doing research for this movie Um, so if we say something incorrect or sounds, uh, wrong, like, please forgive us. And, uh, yeah, we don't have any hate for any Scientologists out there.
0: Yeah. We're stepping out of our wheelhouse a little bit. We're going off of like interviews and, and Wikipedia articles and, you know, Mm -hmm. interesting things we found. So, so we're gonna, we're gonna shoot across the bow of Scientology in order to kind of frame up this film discussion. Yeah. So Aaron, take us away. What um, is going on?
1: So this movie, um, I'll give you the plot here. Uh, Johnny Good Boy, who is the <laughs> main character of this movie, uh, he is he is like, I guess, the smart one. Uh, okay, a little bit of backstory. So it seems that it, it's what three? The year three thousand is when this takes place. Yes. Okay, and so from my understanding, at some point. Um, the Cyclos, which is the evil race of aliens that uh, John Travolta or Turl and Forrest <laughs> Whitaker Kerr um, are a part of, and uh. I guess they come to Earth and they battle um, us earth earthlings uh, I don't know, yeah I guess that's what you would refer to us yeah. as, right? yeah. And then, um, what did they say? He drops a line in the movie that says the battle lasted all of, what, nine minutes?
0: Yeah, like nine minutes and we were done.
1: Yeah. And then, fi- I don't know how many years has passed since. Um, I, I think
0: a thousand years. I think okay. it's a full thousand years.
1: Okay, that's interesting.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: Because it cause came it, out in 2000. So Yes, yeah,
0: so it came out in 2000. So, I think they were in the mindset of like, oh, let's 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 launch this as if it were to happen like that year kind of thing yeah Yeah.
1: um okay and so yeah so it so it gets interesting um because i guess humanity has i guess um regressed and went back to our more hunter-gatherer uh nature Mm -hmm. and the uh the cyclos keep referring to us as man animals and that we're not like smart or intelligent in any way and uh anyways so johnny Goodboy is kind of like the most intelligent one and he has a appetite for like knowledge and for um pushing the boundaries and exploring and you know because, so he kind of like rises up and becomes the leader and hmm. John Travolta's character Turl uh am i saying that right Turl Turl Tarol Tarol Ter- yeah. Ter- I, 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 I think i
0: heard both in the film so Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: We'll say Tarol. That makes more yeah. sense. Um Tarol he is like he's supposed to be like a prodigy of the cyclo, but i guess he like messes around with some high-ranking officer's daughter or something and so he gets he gets punished to earth to to run it but he doesn't get demoted he just has to stay on earth and like and run it and um
0: 50 cycles
1: yeah 50 cycles which i have no idea how long that is i assume it's a very long time Mm -hmm. because he was quite upset
0: he seemed very upset.
1: <laughs> very upset about. It. I was like, Earth isn't that bad, but I guess they can't breathe on Earth, so that's probably part of the problem.
0: Yeah, so they have to stick those things up their nose.
1: Yeah, and yeah. Um, anyway, so he he gets quite upset. Um, oh, in the beginning of the movie, he was he was what he was he was going to be getting off of Earth, and he was super excited about it, right? And uh, then he obviously they find out that they're just they screwed him over and he has to stay on Earth for 50 more cycles and which causes him to go a little bit like I don't give a shit anymore and I'm going to like do whatever I want. And so I guess the cycles are like really after gold and that's why they're on Earth is to mine the gold.
0: Yeah, I was kind of under the impression that they were just stripping the planet of its natural resources. Yeah, um, and that's kind of what they do.
1: Yeah, I, it was. It, it didn't make like it didn't make a lot of sense because even the gold. So, do they use the gold for something, or is it just literally wealth? And what are the chances that gold could still be like a valuable? Uh, a valuable, what is it, mineral to them uh, on Earth, and it's also on their planet. Like I don't, I don't know. It didn't. It kind of left that open.
0: Yeah, there's the see. The problem with this film is there's so many um, plot holes and things that don't make sense or are left kind of unexplained. You know. Yeah, it's a lot th- of that. There's logistical errors and problems all over the place that it kind of. It constantly sort of pulls you out of what they're trying to do. Yeah,
1: but um, so, anyways, he he. Uh, so yeah, so I guess he he wants the gold, and him and Fortis uh, Whitaker to, uh, come up with this plan to have the have the man animals, uh, which yeah. is also humans. Yeah, uh, mine mine the gold for them since they can breathe the uh, the breathe on Earth, obviously. Um, but it's really weird because throughout this whole entire time, all he ends up doing is teaching, uh, the Johnny good boy about like how to become a smarter person, how to essentially destroy the cyclos and, yeah. um, kind of teaches him the history of like humanity and basically yeah. is his own worst enemy in the end.
0: You know what's one thing I really like about this film, like right out of the gate, is how much the Cyclos underestimate humans and human nature. Like, uh, Terrell sits Johnny down in that room... Uh that, that learning room where that that beam of like, you know, knowledge, you know, gets projected on his head. And he literally just tells me, says, This is the entire history of your species. Look at whatever you want, learn whatever you want, because <laughs> nothing will help you. <laughs> like yeah. and just walks away. Yeah. And I was just and the the pride and arrogance that the, the cyclos have is really entertaining to me. Oh yeah.
1: Well, yeah. I don't even yeah, no, it is the cyclos. Uh Turrell, John Travolta's character, was just so entertaining to me, uh, especially that scene when he's like, let's find out their favorite foods. <laughs> uh,
0: and so we'll just put cameras on them and send them out into the wild.
1: Yeah. And so, of course, the first thing that they come across is rats. And yeah. they've been, well, like, how, how many days? Was it like a week that they were oh, wandering?
0: It was a long time. Yeah. yeah so they would and-
1: yeah, so so rats were the first thing that they came across, and they and they ended up eating rats, and then th- throughout the rest of the movie, you just see J- John Travolta trying to like persuade them with rats,
0: and it's like, so entertaining. It's so funny. It's yeah. it's
1: like it's it, that was probably one of my favorite parts of the whole thing.
0: Yeah. Oh man, so funny.
1: Okay, so should we get into? I guess jump into some of the Scientology stuff that's like yeah, right around l- this.
0: Yeah, there's a lot I want to say about the actual film, but let's okay. let's let's talk about the Scientology stuff first and kind of uh, put a bow on that before we move forward. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, um, in doing research about this movie, there was a few things uh, that I found very interesting. First of all, I guess during the whole production of this. Um, of this movie, they would, uh, they would keep telling everyone, it's not a Scientology movie, it's a science fiction movie. And so they kept having that disclaimer. And I, for what reason, I don't know why they wanted to get away from uh, the Scientology banner so bad. Like, I guess they thought that would bring down their um, ratings or something and yeah yeah so you you hear them you hear them say say that a lot but there's a few other if there's a few interesting things that i came across because like i've never like i've always heard of scientology you know you hear tom cruise is a scientologist and like a high ranking and then you hear things that are like oh scientologists are all wacky they think you can fly and read people's minds and things like that and um so I decided to like kind of read, and I didn't go too in depth. I was just mainly reading like Wikipedia pages and things like that. But from from one of the things that I've gathered from Scientology is a lot a lot of their um, core beliefs revolve around survival, mm-hmm. and which I thought was really interesting because I kind of paralleled the movie as well. Because here are these uh, here is humanity trying to survive. Uh, throughout
0: the movie yeah like the it's interesting because the book that that came out in i think it was 1982 that l ron hubbard wrote it was a massive book it's like a thousand page epic saga um and he he said that the book wasn't specifically a vehicle for scientology that it was more so just him writing you know putting on his author hat and writing um that, but then i read other things that like the the sales figures around the book were kind of fudged in order to promote dianetics and and his other back catalog stuff mm-hmm. so that was kind of interesting to me too and like you know when you're when you're watching this film because yeah before going into it like i remember watching this in the theaters when it first came out but i didn't remember anything about it like not a thing like I'd seen it in the theaters and then watched it again like a week ago for this episode so like I kind of forgot that this was you know even a thing Mm -hmm. oh so
1: you saw this in the theater
0: I did yeah yeah I've always uh my family kind of has this really weird connection to John Travolta he's um my one of my uncles is a uh, well, he was. I don't know if he still does, but he was a uh, he was a uh, like a, a professional like ballroom dance instructor, and mm-hmm. he um, he did dance doubling and did uh, gave John Travolta like dance lessons and things oh, like wow. that. Early in his career, when he was doing movies, so I grew up with like photos of my uncle with John Travolta and all these different John Travolta things. Mm -hmm. So he always seemed like he was like just like a degree of separation away. So (laughs) I, um, whenever he had movies coming out, I was always kind of keen to see them because he felt like he he felt like you know a celebrity that he'd kind of reach out and reach out and call or something, you know what I mean? Like very Mm -hmm. like, close to the family. So, um, yeah so we my, my my folks and i we went and saw this film and <laughs> it was you know it's it's it is what it is but at the same time i remember like back then you know fresh off the matrix i was eating up like every science fiction thing mm-hmm. that there yeah. was you know because the matrix changed everything and all of a sudden in every science fiction movie everyone's wearing black trench coats and doing slow motion shots and stuff but so i ate that all up and um yeah, and I, I never, back then, I didn't even know what Scientology was. I didn't know it existed. Mm-hmm. Um, I've watched a few documentaries on Scientology and done a bit of research on what it is and this, that, and the other thing. But, like, yeah, when I watched this, nothing nothing preachy jumped out at me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, that, that was, it's interesting you say that because that was one of the things that... Uh, that I actually read about Scientology is that they don't they don't preach faith or like um, can't remember what like God or higher powers or something. But it's like your own ability, right? Your own ability to take you to certain places. And mm-hmm. um, so the, another thing that I think is parallel runs parallel with this movie. Which is, I know, I shouldn't be saying that this movie is like very close to Scientology, but I definitely think it does have some like key things in it that are taken from it.
0: Yeah, totally. Now, um, you and I, we were discussing in preparation for this episode. We'd also done some research on the the head of the Church of Scientology was yeah. heavily involved.
1: Yeah, uh, David, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I think it's like
0: Miscaves or Miscavige, I, can, I think Miscavige. Yeah, I think that's what it is.
1: Uh, yeah, he, he was micromanaging this film. And uh, a little bit of the backstory behind him from what I heard was he used to be with uh, Ron L. Hubbard and um, Used to be a cameraman for, I guess some videos that they used to make. and eventually, as uh, Ron L. Hubbard kind of passed away and started moving out of the picture and same with his wife, this David guy, he kind of came in and started be he became like the CEO of Scientology, uh, the Church of Scientology. And yeah, so, so this movie, he was kind of micromanaging and I guess like looking back at it and watching the scenes like over and over again. And then he
0: was, he was, sorry, he was watching the, like the dailies. Like he was there for every step of the way.
1: And then as soon as the movie released, um, I guess he, or I guess he would like encourage John Travolta and say everything was like awesome, amazing. And would basically pump him up. But then as soon as the movie released and it flopped, they instantly threw uh, John Travolta under the bus. Oh yeah. oh yeah. And I guess there's there's some some thing involving Tom Cruise. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I guess Tom Cruise threw him under the bus as well.
0: Yeah, allegedly Tom Cruise was saying like what the what the what the heck's up with JT man? They call him yeah. JT. And <laughs> what the heck's up with JT man and swearing and and saying this and that. And then yeah, they put him through like auditing over this because they thought what did they say, Aaron, about uh, about his uh, his paycheck or whatever?
1: Okay, yeah. So they they were saying that. Okay, their their exact quotes were: "This movie could have been better." Um, oh, sorry, this isn't their exact words, but essentially they said this movie could have been better if John Travolta took less money, and um, and they spent more of that money towards special effects.
0: Yeah, they thought that he should have done it as like a charitable act. mm Hmm not having taken a paycheck from acting in it at all yeah um yeah you know the special effects in this movie are incredibly hit and miss yeah um, but i don't think a better special effects department would have solved the core issue of this no. film the no. core
1: issue for me of this film is the dutch angle and i had no idea what a dutch angle was prior to this movie no like i'm not too familiar with uh camera angles and terms like that uh but yeah after this movie i am very familiar with what a dutch angle is
0: yeah when i was basically if anyone doesn't know the dutch angle is essentially where they tilt the camera on its axis at about a 45 degree angle um it's 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 actually comes from like a, I think it's a German filmmaking technique. And I, um, growing up, I used to watch like the old like Adam West Batman and Robin, and basically they popularized the Dutch angle on that show because they would use it to essentially um, give you a visual cue that you were like in the villain's layer. Yeah, because. They didn't have like a huge budget on those old shows. So oftentimes what they would do is they would repurpose sets and hallways and things like that, but they would light them differently and then tilt the camera just Mm -hmm. enough to kind of throw off your brain and give you that like uneasy, oh, we must be in the villains layer because everything's askew, right? Yeah.
1: And I think if you, if any of you out there want to Google what a uh, Dutch angle is, as soon as you see what it is, you'll recognize it and you'll recognize it being associated with like an intense part of a movie. Yeah. Like 90. Yeah. Like an eerie or uh, suspenseful part or like what's going on kind of part of a movie.
0: Totally. And like I think ninety percent of this movie was shot Dutch angle, like <laughs> yeah, s- totally overused to the point where you think that their tripods just broken.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I kept like tilting my head as it would go because I was just like, what? And then eventually I was like, why is my neck feeling like this? <laughs> <laughs> um. But oh, oh okay. Man. So to jump back into this, uh, into this uh, Scientology stuff with uh, yeah. John Travolta. So first of all, I had no idea John Travolta was a uh, Scientologist. Oh yeah, and, apparently
0: he has been since like the seventies. Yeah,
1: and that's what. And that was the other thing I was gonna say is like I had no idea it's been for that that long. And I read a little bit about it. And I guess uh, Ron, R- L. Ron Hubbard s- sent him a uh, autographed copy of the book. Yeah. And I don't know what it is about John Travolta but he just absolutely wanted to make this movie.
0: Yeah, it was like his Elron Hubbard something about, it was almost like his like dying wish or something that this movie get made.
1: Yeah, and uh John Travolta, he took it upon himself to get this movie made and he got it made. Uh so yeah. no one no one can ever say that he didn't do that. So
0: yeah, it's it's pretty interesting and much like waterworld it became a total passion project for him like he invested a lot of his own money into yeah. it yeah
1: um i yeah i don't know there's just there's just so much stuff i, I there's a story apparently um, his agent was like everyone was telling him to drop this movie don't do this movie and hmm. it it seems like there was just a lot of negative uh like talk around it and he basically told everyone to shut up. He told his his uh, manager or that uh, if they don't make the movie, he's leaving him. like he threatened a lot of people and he wanted to make this movie. And so he did.
0: yeah. and this it's funny because this movie got, you know, wide scale distribution. I mean, Warner Brothers distributed it. um yeah. the production company behind it, franchise pictures they're they're known for taking on like passion projects and you know, helping actors invest their own money and push projects through. And um, you can tell, like, if you watch interviews or making of videos uh, for this film, like, you can tell that John Travolta's trying so Hard to convince mm-hmm. people to check this movie out, there was this one making of clip where he was name dropping George Lucas. He says, "Oh, I got George Lucas on the phone, and he said, 'Oh John, I got the the perfect director for you to direct this <laughs> film. you know um he keeps he he keeps talking about how, yeah, all these amazing people just came together, and I've never seen anything like it, and everyone just wanted to get this movie made, you know, like mm-hmm the the poor guy he's trying so hard to make people like believe that this film was going to just kick so much ass yeah. you know <laughs> there is, i guess there's
1: he can be seen quoted saying that this movie is better than star wars like he, he yeah. was saying stuff like that
0: he was he was jamming on it and then when it didn't go well the his scientology, you know, contemporaries, they they totally crapped on him. Like um they they put him in like auditing, which is uh, you know, like they went so far as to think that potentially he was like that it was diabolical that he was trying to sabotage Scientology, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, yeah, they they sent him through all these, you know, whatever Scientologists do to cleanse you of whatever, you know, oppressive stuff. Like I think Tom Cruise even called him an oppressive, uh, what is it? Their buzz thing, like oppressive person. Is that what they call people that are like? Oh, I'm you not know, sure. Ops or something. I might be yeah. overstepping my knowledge there, but basically, what I'm trying to say is like they. Hung him out to dry for this film, yeah, so I don't know it's I kind of I want people to watch this film for uh, a few different reasons, but one of the core reasons, Aaron, if we're talking about like defending it is I don't want this film to be forgotten, you know what mm-hmm. I mean i don't I don't want <laughs> the the people that like tore John Travolta apart over making this in my opinion a very entertaining film yeah i I don't want them to get away with this. It's already quite buried. Like, it's hard to find, to rent anywhere. You know, it's not on Netflix or Google Play or, like, any... You know, um, this is the first thing I've ever watched on Amazon Prime. I didn't Mm -hmm. even know that I had it. (laughs) And um, so, I, you know, I want to defend, like, I don't want this movie to be forgotten because... It, it it deserves a place in, like, the so-bad-it's-good kind of mm-hmm, realm yeah. of movies. Yeah.
1: If you like watching B-movies and, like, Sharknado and what's that one movie with the t- rubber or tire or whatever it is, if you yeah. like those kinds of movies, like, this this is in your wheelhouse, then.
0: Well, I was going to say, like, maybe my tolerance, because I've watched so much crappy sci-fi in my life, my tolerance for this was so, like... Hi, I was going to say like, this is not the worst science fiction movie I've ever seen, like by no. a country mile. And like, this was hard t- to review because watching it, I was so entertained that it fell into that category of like, so bad, it's fun to watch. Yeah. And then it got sticky because I was like, oh, this is so subjective. Like how do you how do you defend a film that is so wildly subjective? Like you're either mm-hmm. gonna cause you read online, people are saying things like, It's so miserable, you'll never get through it, and unwatchable. They're using like these words that I mean I would apply to a few films, but but you know, I don't know, man. Like when I was watching this, I was like, Yeah, this is super straightforward. Mm-hmm. You know? i I really liked the concept if that makes sense yeah um i even I even went so far as I wrote down a summarized plot like a two sentence summarized plot Aaron that okay. I think okay, check this out because I was watching this and I was like, well, how would I describe this film in a way that captures kind of the spirit of what they were trying to do and I wrote this down so this is in my opinion this is the this is the core of battlefield earth so for a thousand years, an alien race has taken custody of the Earth, stripping it of its natural resources. Humanity is nearly extinct, punished, and enslaved. One human, depend- demanding more from his existence, dares to defy the superstitions of his village and ventures out to face the unknown.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's I was like... Yeah, that's...
0: I, I was just like, you know what? Like, it's, it's not a well-made film, You know, anyone with any sort of sensibility can tell that, yeah, this movie's is, it's it's hilariously um, poorly made. But, like, at the core of it, it's not like the story is a piece of garbage. It's not like the, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of actors in it that are doing the best Mm -hmm. they can with the material.
1: Uh, (laughs) Barry Pepper, who plays Johnny Goodboy, I thought he did a fantastic job as the character.
0: Yeah, he was great. Definitely defend Barry Pepper. Um, Barry Pepper was in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, after... that's
1: exactly what I was thinking when I first yeah. saw him.
0: Yeah, like he went on to do some really good films after yeah. this.
1: Yeah, and totally. I, I,
0: I thought he he did a great
1: job as the main character. Totally, totally. Um, so that scene, that scene where they are, uh, I guess he meets uh, Carlo Kim Coates. And Mm -hmm. uh, one other guy that just dies. So (laughs) it doesn't really matter. But they're in, like, the mall. And this is when the Cyclos, like, first show up. And they they capture uh, Carlo. And I legitimately got spooked at that part because it just came out of nowhere. And they're just, like, having this nice moment, bonding, eating some rabbits. And then, um, yeah, and then the aliens just show up. And they shoot some kind of, like, gun that... Was it like shoots a collar around someone or stuns them? I'm not sure. I remember in the theater
0: that moment too and being a little spooked out by what was coming towards them because I didn't see like the trailers. I didn't know what they looked like, you know, Mm -hmm. with with their big heads and their giant cod pieces and stuff. I had no idea. And their sweet hair. Their sweet hair. (laughs) So in in that moment, you don't really know what's about to happen, you know? Yeah. Um... This movie to me was akin to watching like a uh a young adult's novel adaption, adaptation adaptation mm-hmm. where yeah. it's not it's not it doesn't like pull me in and make me, you know, like make me excited or anything, but it's like something to have on, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, so many people that review this film just jump all over the plot holes, like the the jet fuel thing, how there's these jets in the basement that, you know, have been sitting there for mm-hmm. a thousand years, but the fuel still works. Yeah. Or, or the fact that they somehow smelt gold into bricks on the side of a waterfall and no one asks any questions. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they take the gold from... Uh, they took the gold from Fort Knox and Terrell's yeah. uh, <laughs> like, you had time to smelt it into bricks. Or whatever. <laughs> but, yes. Look, th- this, film, this film is full of stuff like that. And if that's all you care about going into films, you're going to hate this movie. There's just no helping you. <laughs> but yeah. if, if you have a tolerance for sci-fi, and, uh, like crummy sci-fi, and... Um, you like filmmaking from the aspect of like you know the history of it and seeing how far we've come. Um, even the special effects. There's a couple special effects. Like some of the practical stuff. Like when they show practical, you know, because they kind of have two versions of that ship they fly around in. There's like the digital <laughs> version, which is very hit and miss. Uh, but then you have like the practical version. So there, there, there is some cool stuff in here. There's a couple cool shots and some some neat ideas that they tried. You know, uh, yeah, but it's buried under like a thousand stories of nonsensical plot hole stuff.
1: Yeah, it it like, like exactly what you said. If you have a tolerance for this stuff, you can uh, you can uh, you can bear through it, and you you'll be entertained. Yeah, like, I, I, I will say that in what is this movie? Just under two hours, right? Yeah, and um, I will say that I was like entertained all the way from the start to the end
0: yeah I think I think the 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 biggest issue with this movie if I'm being honest I think is the fact that the plot is so you know by today's standards especially in the year 2000 was so um, it just wasn't groundbreaking it, it was very contrived mm-hmm. like um, it's very pulpy there's nothing you know there's nothing really new here. You know, coming off of the coming off of the heels of you know, The Matrix which was, which was the year before. Yeah, that showed people something and a concept that they never even thought about before. Yeah. Then the next year, this movie comes along where we're like, okay, humanity is enslaved and they're op- oppressed, and you know, and mm-hmm. there's just a lot of it. It has Planet of the Apes vibes. It has, um, it kind of has Logan Run logan's run vibes a little bit to me and you know it's it's wrapped in this it's kind of an ugly film the way it's shot a lot of the colors and stuff so i think it's biggest problem to me is just the fact that the plot is just not anything remarkable you know Mm
1: -hmm. do you think though if this movie would have been made right around the time he wrote the book it would have done better
0: in the 80s yeah I think so because it did seem more futuristic and out there and interesting and um, yeah. it, of course back then if it came out then it probably would have brought the budget down a bit so they would have had to have focused more on what they had in the storytelling instead of yeah. you know miniatures and matte paintings and all the other stuff they did yeah
1: I think that this movie was made in the wrong era like it should have been made in the 80s
0: yeah it definitely would have had more to say back then you know, like it would, and, it would, it would have fit in perfectly with
1: what uh, kind of sci-fi movies were going on back then.
0: I think so, but it, it, it's funny because in the eighties, like, there's no shortage of B-rate science fiction films. You know, yeah, there's literally thousands of them, and so many of them are just an excuse to use a certain special effect or a certain costume they had lying around, or you know, they all have this pulpy and yet playful quality to them. And mm-hmm. I just feel like Battlefield Earth was put on this pedestal of like, um, it, it was supposed to be some massive thing that was better than Star Wars. Um, it's just not the case. You're right. Like it should have came out in the 80s. If it came out in the 80s, it would have fit right in with all that other nonsense and no one would have thought about it, you know? Mm-hmm. You would have yeah. watched it, and you would have went back to playing Super Nintendo or whatever. That would have been it, <laughs> Nintendo. Yeah. You know, it just would have been like, yeah, another another VHS tape you have laying around. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um. You know what I kept thinking about Johnny Goodboy is he kept reminding me of uh, a You from Neverending Story.
0: Oh, interesting. I can see that a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but mainly because he was
1: just like the savior, and he was riding a horse.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I liked the horse. Yeah, the horse was sweet. Uh, the other thing that bugged me about this film, full disclosure, was the stupid, like, barn door uh, transition wipe that they did <laughs> after yeah. every single scene. Um, I, I, I think that they were trying to chase after that Star Wars energy of, like, you know, uh, yeah. the old fashioned wipes. It, it doesn't work here, <laughs> in my opinion. But it yeah. also again it's unique, I've never seen it before. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's, yeah. it's it's a bit overused, Aaron.
1: It's so interesting to me that John Travolta would decide to use Star Wars as a reference point for how good this movie was going to be because mm-hmm. there's just so much other stuff that surrounds Star Wars and why it was such a great movie, right? Like, it was way ahead of its time when it came out. Yeah. Um, the special effects and everything that they did. Uh, like, it, it was just... It was all unheard of, and it and it blew up, right? And yeah. to think that this movie has... Is a coming out in a time... Where there's already like tons of uh sci-fi movies and effects and things like that. And to say that it's gonna set some sort of record like Star Wars did just just would probably also make people already tune out.
0: Yeah, like this people had just watched Pod Racing a year before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The yeah. special effects bar was like through the roof. Um and then this movie feels and looks like it was made literally twenty years earlier. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um poor poor John Travolta, bless bless his heart. He oh, tried. Oh
0: man. Yeah, we, we have to talk about his performance, Aaron, because in in my opinion, he is so funny in this film. Like yeah. uh oh my gosh. The one of the funniest things I have I've seen <laughs> One of the funniest things I've seen in a movie in a long time is when he uh he's he's freaking out, uh he he's he's ranting at care uh Forrest Whitaker's character, um, and then he stands up and he hits his head. You are pathetic. You ah! rough, lousy I, I kept paralleling this to Waterworld because Kevin Costner he invested so much of his own money in that film, and it was it was totally a vehicle for him. And of course he plays the hero, you know, mm-hmm. he plays the mariner. But then you watch this and I kept wondering uh, of all the characters that John Travolta could have played in Battlefield Earth, he chose to play the villain mm-hmm. Uh, and is totally hamming it up the entire time. And he basically makes that character as, as unlikable as he possibly can. Yeah. Why do you think he did that, Aaron? Like, why do you think he he chose to be the villain and not the hero?
1: Oh, I thought I read something about him being too old to play the hero.
0: Is it just because he's too old? Yeah?
1: Yeah, I think they wanted mm. to go younger. But I I mean, like, I think I vaguely read that somewhere. Mm. But I think that he was dedicated to the role. And uh, to be dedicated to the role, like, obviously how do you play a villain make everyone hate you right right and so like I feel like he did a good job of that
0: yeah, and he's he's so entertaining to watch like his line delivery every time he, he he yells rat brain or something like John Travolta his voice was not meant to be to be raised. I'm sorry but like no. he, every time he, he raises his voice he just sounds so funny.
1: <laughs> man, it's almost like the the parallel with The Mariner or not The Mariner, the um who's the bad guy in Waterworld? Deacon, uh, Deacon, yes. It's like because the Deacon guy, he was so polite and like talking to people, and John Travolta just has like such a nice voice as the bad guy as well.
0: Yeah, because they do this interesting trick where, um, you know, the the Cyclo's they have they have their language and their way of talking, which is very monstrous sounding and yeah. deep. Um, but then for the sake of the audience and then later, of course, for the sake of Johnny learning their language, we cut to them having, you know, speaking English so that obviously we know what they're saying. Yeah. And then I kept wondering, I thought, you know, it would be a pain in the ass, but I thought, would this movie be better if they were all subtitled and you kept hearing the cyclo true language and then you just had to read Mm. those lines? Yeah. I I thought, you know, maybe it would have been less Ridiculous, right? Because you would have just had that intensity that they kept up and that dominating kind of tone they use, and then you would have just read the lines instead of John Travolta's oh, yeah. his hilarious delivery. While you were still learning how to spell your name, I was being trained to conquer galaxies.
1: <laughs> I actually uh, am in a, a fan of how they did this. Really? Uh, yeah, because I don't know if you noticed or not, but whenever they showed the humans talking, the humans were essentially just like uh, grunting at each other, and so that's what it sounded like to the cyclos. And then the cyclos just sounded like weird and deep to the earthlings. Right. And so I, I, I thought that was interesting because um, obviously you hear hear John Travolta's character call them man animals hundreds of times. Or well, no, not hundreds of times. Twenty eight times is the exact amount oh that he uses man animal in this movie. Wow. And, uh, and like, you know, if you were to hear, like, humans or some man just grunt at you, you'd, you'd probably call him a man animal.
0: Uh, you know what? I would love to see a fan edit of this film where they treat the Cyclos like Klingons in Star Trek and just completely subtitle their dialogue the entire time with the true deep Cyclo voice, whatever that is, Yeah, to see if it salvages this at all. <laughs> because I think a lot of the stuff that people stumble on is John Travolta's just totally uh, goofy and tone-deaf line delivery. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, I think a lot of this stuff would be a lot better read than said, you know, because Forrest Whitaker, he's a terrific actor. You know, he does a really good job with the material. I actually really enjoy his character a lot. Yeah. Um, but again, I would lo- I would be very interested to know if subtitles um, would save this film.
1: Yeah, that's. Uh, uh, I guess we're gonna. Someone out there <laughs> want to make a fan I, edit.
0: I don't have that kind of time on my hands currently, but if someone does, um, I I'm just so curious. Like if if that would if that would help, because I think you could fan edit, you could distill this movie down a little bit yeah. and um, kind of save it. Why you would want to do that, I don't know, but I'm super intrigued by that because and, you gotta you gotta draw the parallel between Klingons and these cyclos, right?
1: Yeah, and I think get rid of a few of the uh, the Dutch angles there, and this movie will be golden.
0: A few is in like fifty percent of it, maybe eighty percent. Yeah, eighty yeah, percent of it. <laughs> yeah.
1: Use the use the Dutch angle for what it was actually intended for, and yeah. yeah, and then this movie will like take off.
0: Yeah, it'll take off. I liked it. You know, it was it was so straightforward in terms of science fiction. Um, can we touch on the themes a little bit? Yeah. There was a couple things that stood out to me that um, I don't think get enough credit. Um, one of the big things, I don't know how many times they say this this word in this film, but one of the big themes of this movie is leverage and having leverage over people. Yeah. And it seems like the cyclos, culturally speaking, really have uh, value in terms of leverage. It's almost like their social currency of who has leverage over who. Yeah. Um. And I thought that was interesting, and I thought it was also kind of uh, an apt uh, commentary on society in general. Mm-hmm. Um, it's n- uh, not any deeper than that in terms of what I want to say, but I just, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting, you know? Um, whenever you're doing a pulp sci-fi film, it's nice to have some yeah, uh, la Star Trek. It's nice to have some culturally relating messages and and commentaries on certain things, and uh, yeah, so that checks that box for me. Leverage. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh,
1: we should talk about Forrest Whitaker's character a bit here. We haven't. Yeah. Uh, so he is what like the um, he's originally being trained to replace. John travolta's character um but then obviously finding out that he's going to be staying on earth longer they start like working together to like get themselves ahead but then they both keep double crossing each other like it keeps going back (laughs) and forth yeah um and i think in the end forest waker obviously wins because he aligns himself with the humans
0: yes the difference but. is, I think, Forrest Whitaker care. He doesn't underestimate the humans. I think, and that's, yeah, that's that's cool. I love that. Yeah,
1: he seems like he seems like a nice guy, like a nice chill guy that's just like, hey man, like we're all in this together, just trying to do our best. Like you scratch yeah. my back,
0: I'll scratch your back. You know what I found out? I found out that this was supposed to be a, a two-parter. There was yeah. supposed to be a second chunk of this, in, and I think it was. I haven't read the book, so I don't know specifically what it would have been about. But I assume, uh, as Forrest Whitaker and and uh, Terrell mentioned at the end, that you know, there's obviously outlining pockets. There's still tons and tons of cyclos, even though they destroyed the homeworld, mm-hmm. that are probably gonna come down and you know and ascend, or descend rather, onto Earth, you know, and find out what happened. Um, yeah. So that was interesting because I thought, oh, yeah, there's, there's more to care story to come. But it's you know, lost to mm-hmm. history.
1: <laughs> yeah. Can I say something? Yes. I feel like this movie is like a giant ripoff of Star Trek.
0: Yes, I agree. Very much so.
1: And that, that is probably one of the biggest things that like everything else was okay. But I think that was the one thing that bothered me the most
0: yeah it's just it was you know it's just that that filmmaking reference you know they it, th- this movie's like uh, a junkyard of 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 more successful science fiction properties yeah like the the costumes the set design the even some of the casting choices it's they they begged they begged and borrowed their way to the screen here with this film um you know star trek is obviously does a lot of this stuff much better. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Aaron, in terms of defending this, um here I think I have I think I have a recommendation for this film. Okay. I think I figured this out. I think this movie would is the perfect movie to watch if you're home <laughs> Homesick, mm-hmm. f- if you're homesick from like work or school, and if you're like running a fever around like 102, 103 degrees, yeah, what you do is you plop yourself on the couch, y- y- you prop up a pillow, and you lay down so that the Dutch angle cancels out. <laughs> and yeah, and of course, yeah. w- running a fever will make all of this stuff way more interesting, <laughs> and you'll be so entertained. Yeah. um and yeah man you'll be like you'll be drawn right in so my recommendation for Battlefield Earth the redeeming quality is watch it while you're sick and everything <laughs> will make sense
1: <laughs> okay yeah. uh I'll give you my my in defense of this yes okay so it's not as quite as good as that but uh essentially the biggest thing that I liked in this entire movie was was the resilience of the human race
0: yes and
1: that that is a theme that goes on like throughout this movie where the cyclones think that they have outsmarted them but no the humans find a way because it's not necessarily that we're smart but because we have tenacity and uh the drive to get ourselves out of this place so i thought that was like a nice positive message um that, you know, like, despite whatever shortcomings you may have, as long as you're willing to put the work in, that mm. you can you can pull yourself out of a hole.
0: Yes. And the seed of that rebellion and the, the yes. seed of pulling yourself out of that hole is always to stop and say, there's got to be something more than this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and exploring that type of thinking... And uh, always trying to push the limits is gonna is what's gonna take you like further.
0: Totally, it will totally. also
1: even allow you to learn how to pilot a fighter jet within seven <laughs> days.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, like a lot of these movies, I have no concept of time in this film. I have no idea how much time has passed in scene to scene because this movie they're jam packing it. It's so breakneck, right, from scene to scene to scene. Um they do not wait for you to catch up and understand how much time has passed between a lot of this stuff happening. No. Um but another, I another
1: love... uh, sorry, another thing that I loved about this movie is their evil laughs that they always broke out with. <laughs> yeah. You know, like ah ah ah. ah, ah, ah. Yeah, and so it's like <laughs>, laughs like that. They're just so over the top.
0: <laughs> oh, you're too much. So over the top. Yeah man, I love what you said. You know, if the problem, you know, if if other if other sci-fi prof- properties hadn't delivered that message in a more profound and more professional way, this mm-hmm. movie would have done better, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And also, if Terrell, John Travolta's character, if he had came across as more intelligent because in this movie he seems like such an idiot. Yeah, he does. Yeah, but a lot of that's attributed to like his pride and his ego. Yeah, and the fact that he's so blinded by revenge that he can't even see how smart yeah. these humans are.
1: Yeah, because they they all I I'm I'm assuming that on the cycle planet that um, that they all just must be out out to get one another, right? Like nobody wants to work together for a common mm-hmm. goal, which is also interesting too, because it shows the parallel of, uh, humans where, when we're in a crunch, we'll work together to get ourselves out of a hole. So,
0: yeah, you know, what's, uh, I love what you said. Cause it, th- there's this really in- underrated thing that drives Johnny that, that is totally overlooked in this film because it happens so fast and it's such a funny edit. Um, cause the editing in this movie is atrocious, but at the very start, um, what triggers Johnny to, like, go on that rant about, have you guys even seen one of these demons, these beasts, is, like, uh, I think it's his dad that dies, right? He comes back mm-hmm. from from scavenging on his horse, and um, Chrissy says, like, he passed away in the night, and then he kind of, like, he throws that rock, and he, he rages and goes, ah, you know? And th- that's the thing, is, like, he recognizes that they're just all slowly dying out. Like, there's Mm -hmm. just, like, what are we doing if we're not taking a chance? Like, do we want to go through life just slowly dying out and just accepting life for what it is? Or do we want to actually break through that glass ceiling as they do in this film or break through? You know, there's lots of of imagery in this film of breaking through things, and that's very on the nose, but it is what it is. And, you know, look out you know defy what people are saying and defy and push past and you know be courageous and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. that's that all happens right at the top of the film and it doesn't wait for you to catch up but it is great character motivation
1: Mm -hmm. and that's why i say i thought uh sorry his name's johnny johnny pepper is that like
0: uh well, Barry Pepper. His Johnny is, is Barry his Pepper. name. <laughs> Barry Johnny Pepper. Pepper.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm mixing his real name and his character. Name Sounds together.
0: like a stand-up comedian.
1: Next up, Johnny Pepper. Yeah. But like, like I said, I thought he did a fantastic job as the main character and conveying yeah. conveying that, uh, like, the search for more.
0: Yeah. There's something to be said about elevating material in this film.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And him and Forrest Whitaker, man, they, they're MVP for sure for me.
1: Oh, you don't... I i would put John Travolta in there. I'm sorry. I was like a fan of the character that John Travolta... His voice and everything just... It made the movie so much more entertaining to me.
0: Yeah, totally. I know it's so subjective, but this movie definitely falls into So Bad It's Good for me. Like, yeah. um, I would watch this again and... um have no problem getting through it again aaron i go back keep going back to this but i would rather watch this, i would watch this five times in a row before i watch Gili again <laughs> yeah and we defended that uh so like yeah. I, I just want to say like uh this is this is just not the worst film i've ever seen yeah. i'm gonna be honest. but
1: we're you. also sci sci-fi guys here so we're always gonna be yeah. the sci-fi
0: movie yeah, this is definitely in my wheelhouse. I definitely have such a high tolerance for sci-fi. I'll sit through yeah. just about anything if it yeah. has something to say, more or less. You know. I think
1: we need to do a uh, do a rom com here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's do a change of pace
1: for sure. Um, the okay, I had a few questions for you. Yeah. Do you think that there's <laughs> at the end of the scene there when they're in Fort Knox and it's just like so much gold? Do you think there is that much gold actually in Fort Knox?
0: Um, I do. Oh man, that's insane. My only frame of reference is movies and television. Hmm. Um, I think in Goldfinger, don't they show the inside of Fort Knox? What it looked like back then, too? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, but no, I think there is actually that much. Yeah, I do like that closing shot of. Um, I really like that closing shot of, you know, of Terrell being in that cage surrounded by all the gold that he, mm-hmm. he you know, he got his gold, but it's it's out of reach. Yeah. That's a cool shot. Uh, it's on the nose, but it is cool. And it represents yeah. everything his character is. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Great way to wrap up your film.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, the, yeah, if, if uh, Terrell didn't uh, teach Johnny Goodboy how to do everything... I think he would have been a little bit more successful,
0: yeah, I love that Terrell he completely underestimates the power of knowledge and the power of the human spirit, yeah
1: hey.
0: because he he holds his culture over the over humanity, right yeah and and I think you know humans we've had a tendency to do that to each other, and <laughs> uh so that's very apt, very
1: yeah
0: uh that has something to say, it's done clumsily, but I don't want to discount that because I like that kind of stuff in my sci-fi.
1: Yeah. And if there's any aliens listening to our podcast, watch out for us as a human race. We're
0: feisty. Yeah. <laughs> We're feisty, man.
1: You don't underestimate us. Wait, maybe we shouldn't be saying this so they do underestimate us.
0: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> know. I think we'd hold out a little longer than nine minutes.
1: I'd like to hope so.
0: hmm Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, what would you rate this movie?
0: Well, you know, as I said, um, it's not a well-made film. You know, mm-hmm. any any uh, you know anybody can see that. Yeah. But again, is it is it a uh, is it a three percent film? Um, yeah. In my personal opinion, no. I think it's more around like a twenty percent <laughs> film. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna boosted any higher than that just because from a cinematic just purely from the art form it is just not well made but i do think that there are some interesting things about it and i again like i said i find it wildly entertaining and much better than films that we've seen rated around this area so i'm gonna say 20 maybe 30 percent if you're sick and running a fever (laughs) and you're playing hooky from work um
1: i'm gonna i agree with you i think for me uh the the dutch the dutch angle and uh yeah like the special effects and the way the way like some of the color schemes that they used for editing this movie like though those were the only things that really took me out of this as far as the acting the storyline the characters and things like that like that was pretty good And so I I think you hit the nail on the head. As far as like artistic and filming goes, I think that's where this movie is really lacking. And so, yeah, I'd put it in that like probably I'm going to be a little nicer here and probably because uh, for the human race. So I'll give it 38 percent.
0: That's very nice of you. Yeah. I really want a knowledge machine every time that kind of thing happens in sci-fi film. Yeah, I'm always so jealous. I want, like, in Fifth Element, they do it really well. You know, I just want, like, a sh- uh, to stare at a screen and have the knowledge beamed into my brain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That'd be so rad. It would be. Um, I, I would also rate this uh, five evil <laughs> laughters. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 wait. Uh, five rat brains. Five rap brains. Out of thirty rap brains.
0: Okay. I would give this I would give this ten gold bars out of a possible fifteen gold bars. Okay. <laughs> Aaron. What would you say to recommend this film to somebody? I would say, do you like Dutch
1: Angle? Do you like Maniacal Lass? Do you believe in the human race? Because if you do, you'll like this movie. Are you a
0: rat brain? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, Someone's got
1: to give me some some rat meat right now.
0: Oh, my gosh. Awesome. Well, well, I, I urge you all to to big scrape and bore your way to a copy of battlefield earth check it out and uh, let us know your thoughts on this wacky wacky film Um, again uh, we're on twitter at defensive movies we're uh we're firing up instagram pretty quick here we do have an email address it's in the show notes below and uh yeah thank you so much you guys for tuning in uh to in defense of a movie podcast and we will catch you in the next episode See you later. Bye.